Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, we live in some confusing, challenging, and changing times. It sure isn't easy following Jesus in 2023. How can we stay grounded in our faith, stay true to biblical convictions, and become more like Christ all the while speaking the truth in love with the lost and hurting around us? This is Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining me on this special 48th episode of Real Christian Talk with Pastor Steve. This month's episode will mark the third season that I've been doing this podcast, and it's been an honor and a privilege. I promised I'd try and deliver an episode uh, the first week of the month. Uh, depending on how you would define uh, last week, I, I guess I kind of made it on time. I'm not quite sure, but... Uh, even though I have a nasal voice, I really was determined to bring you a new episode and to talk about what I believe is a very pertinent, relevant, and important topic that I believe Christians are dealing with on, on every aspect of living in 2023. And that is, what is the relationship between love and truth? This episode I titled, Love Has Everything to Do With It, and Specifically, it has everything to do with speaking biblical truth. We live in a society today where truth and love seem to be at odds and where Christians seem to fall into one of two extremes, one of two categories, either big on proclaiming biblical truth to the exclusion of showing love to everyone or showing love and being big on grace, but neglecting biblical truth. Do truth and love have to be exclusive, or can we walk in a balance of both? In John chapter 1, the Bible tells us that Jesus came and gave us grace and truth. Jesus walked this balance, and I believe it's imperative for our spiritual growth and for our witness and testimony to do the same. The biblical passage I had on my heart for this episode comes from Ephesians chapter 3. No, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 14 and 15 says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we are told that if we want to move beyond a place of spiritual infancy, where we are easily influenced and taken by the subtle and crafty, deceitful uh, messages and teachings that we are all going to be confronted with, then we need to be able to speak the truth in love to one another and in doing so to grow, to become fully mature in our faith. I recently saw and was reading about two striking contrasts in the last few weeks in the Christian world over the relationship between love and truth. And the first example I'm going to cite was that of Amy Grant. Amy Grant, if you're, if you're familiar with her, she was a pioneering Christian artist, 
especially several decades ago. She was pivotal and had a pivotal role in helping establish uh, contemporary Christian music as we know it today. And she recently was honored at the Kennedy Center with awards and accolades. Uh, She's a Grammy artist. She's uh, had a lot of artistic triumphs. But she recently made headlines because she decided to announce she was going to be hosting a same-sex wedding ceremony in her yard of her home for her niece, who identifies as a lesbian. And uh, Amy Grant, if you've been following her for the last several years, she's increasingly made liberal comments on uh, you know, uh, LGBTQ-related topics and issues. But this is certainly the most blatant um, statement of support uh, that she has made. And in responding to criticism, she said, quote, Honestly, from a faith perspective, Jesus narrowed it down to two things. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. And of course, uh, every major news uh, media outlet and online blogs that have talked about Amy Grant and her stance have uh, you know, showered her with praise for, for taking that stand. And, uh, you know, her message certainly resonates with our culture, with our world, um, you know, as to what love, you know, is. And and love today usually equates to uh, openly condoning and, and agreeing with things, especially big things, where there's no room for tolerate, tolerance or disagreement. To do so, for example, to to today, in today's world, in today's culture, saying that, well, just for example, I love uh, someone who is gay, someone who's lesbian, I love someone who's transgender, but I do not agree with uh, that thinking. I don't agree with that lifestyle. Uh, I don't agree with acting out on those desires. Well, then that means you're a phobe. You're a homophobe. You're a transphobe. You're, 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 uh, you're a bigot. You, you're no, you're on the same playing field as the KKK. That's the way our culture is now. The idea that I could simply love someone and love them with respect. In in the minds of our culture, loving with respect means I have to acquiesce to every aspect of what someone believes about themselves or beliefs about uh, their moral choices. And that's just a that's just not the way I grew up. That's not the way I was raised. I was raised that true tolerance means that I love everyone, that I treat everyone with respect, recognizing everyone was created in the image of God, and that Jesus died for everyone, and I should reach out to everyone. But that does not mean that I'm going to personally agree with everyone. That does not mean I'm going to personally sign off on things that go against the tenets of my convictions and my beliefs. And the irony is, like 20 years ago, when I'd have discussions with friends, uh, when I'd have discussions with friends of different religions, when I'd have discussions with discussions with friends who uh, identified as LGBTQ, like they would not expect that I would sign off on uh, you know, things that they believe in and that they believe in doing. They were, they, we had a mutual respect. They recognized, I believe that marriage is biblically defined as between one man and one woman and that that's been the pattern God established since the Garden of Eden and that's what I believe. 
But that doesn't mean I hate anyone. That doesn't mean I think anyone should be treated with disrespect. That doesn't mean I'm I'm for blatant discrimination uh, for someone simply because of their sexual orientation or or how they identify or what they believe. But it's possible for me to still believe strongly in what I believe and believe strongly that I should have the freedom to live according to my convictions and we can still get along and we can still be at peace. You know, it's like those bumper stickers of, you know, coexist, except coexist in a worldly cultural mindset really means that I have to go along with and agree with the mainstream on especially sticking points, especially big areas. Like, for example, I remember being one time on a call with multiple faith leaders and and uh, and it was for a uh, county council and on that call. Uh, the the leading political official asked for one of us to open in prayer. And so a Christian minister opened in prayer and he began the meeting with a prayer that ended in the name of Jesus. And I remember that political official immediately making snarky comments about, hey, well, we're not all you know Christians here. But here's the thing, like, and, and then the group tried to actually change the language of the proceedings for even how you say a prayer so that you can't specifically pray in the name of Jesus. You see, here's the thing. For me as a Christian, I try to explain this to my fellow faith leaders and colleagues. Um, I said, listen, for the rabbi, for the uh, Muslim cleric, for the Buddhist, I expect if you're going to give a prayer, you're going to do it reflecting your belief system. And for us as Christians, our belief system is that we go to God through the mediation of Jesus Christ. And that's why praying in the name of Jesus is kind of a big deal for us as Christians. But see, again, oh, we, we, we're we all about peaceful coexistence as long as you don't pray through Jesus. You keep it generic and you keep it vague, even though your belief system is uh, that it's through Jesus that we pray. And so I could go on and on and on. And it's so sad that we've come to this point. And it's really not just when it comes to religion or morality or sexuality. It's really every aspect, all spheres of society. We just can't agree to disagree and still love each other. Um, you know, gone are the days where where I could have friendships and close bond and relationships with people who believe very differently than I do, and and we still be cool and we still be we still be tight. And it's a shame because, you know, I think it's doing huge damage to our society. It's doing huge damage to our country. And yes, it's doing huge damage to the church of Jesus Christ. You know, several years ago, uh, we would locally go to a restaurant. And in this restaurant, I would be treated like a king. Uh, there was a waitress there and she was always so sweet and she would always... Uh, bring me a pitcher of my favorite soda. She would always put my order in because I always order the same thing at certain restaurants. And she wouldn't even ask me what my order was and she would go about and get it for me. And uh, and she just treated me with so much love and we were so close and we had such a great bond. And you would think, oh, so she must be you know, a Christian or she must lean conservative on some things. No, she actually was a pagan practicing witch. And I'm not I'm not being facetious here. That is literally uh, her belief system. And uh, she would show me pictures of what she would consider to be spirit orbs in her backyard, and we would discuss that stuff. And uh, but we had such a mutual love and bond that um, the first uh, Easter Sunday I happened to preach in my church, she actually came and attended that, and that meant a lot to me because I know that she did not agree with anything I believed as it related to. 
uh, Jesus Christ and who he is and what he came to do. But she did show up for that. And that meant a lot. And that showed a lot to me about how much of a bond and of a relationship that we had. You see, that's the kind of I can love you and I can tolerate and I can respect but I'm not going to go along with, I mean, me and this this woman, we interpreted spirituality on vastly different levels, but we still uh, loved each other. We still got along and we still had a friendship that continues to this day. You see, it's possible to do that. At least I believe it should be. But we should not have to as Christians who are called to love, and we hear in our culture a lot about love, 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 you know, love each other and you know, messages of love and what the world tells us love is, is a far cry from what the Bible tells us love is. And and typically, if you say you love me, that means you have to, uh, again, go along with and believe everything I'm doing is fine and right as long as it makes me happy, as long as it brings me personal satisfaction. And the sad thing is God's love is a love that desires the best for us. And as Christians, that means sometimes God even corrects us so that we don't miss out on his best for us. And that means sometimes we have to be denied things, and and Jesus calls us to deny our flesh, to carry our cross, and to follow him. But what I've noticed our world seems to do with Jesus' message of love in the Gospels is selective editing. And, you know, people like Oprah love to emphasize that Jesus is all about love and the golden rule, but they neglect to acknowledge that every single sinner Jesus reached out to in love, Jesus also called to repentance and helped open the door for them to, uh, to, to lead a new life. Jesus' love meets us where we are, but he loves us too much to say, well, you're great where you are. You're wonderful. As long as you're loved and accepted and affirmed, then you should just go ahead and continue to live that way and think that way. No, Jesus' love transforms us. Jesus' love calls us to repentance. Jesus' love says, there is something very wrong with the condition you're in. You are sick. You have a terminal disease called sin, but I have a new life that I want to lead you to live in. And my love is, is that which reaches out to you where you are and helps lead you to where God wants you to be. That's what real love in action looks like and it's a far cry from what our world, our culture, and increasingly the American church tells us God's love is about. Contrast this with Pastor Heath Lambert of First Baptist Church in Florida, major megachurch. You know, very rarely do megachurch pastors speak with clarity on sexuality. Case in point, Andy Stanley's been in the headlines in the Christian world a few weeks ago because of comments that made, were made viral where he made comments like he has really, if you've been paying attention in recent years, that are suggesting uh, that that uh, you know that are suggesting that he has a liberal bent when it comes to sexuality and how he views sexuality. And instead of offering clarity on his views, he is he has chosen to be silent and not offer clarity, which is again what often megachurch pastors with big followings on Twitter and Instagram and lots of book sales like to do. They don't want to offer clarity. So when I saw a headline that said, Mega Church Pastor Speaks the Truth in Love on Sexuality, that definitely caught my attention. 
And this church was in the news because the pastor and the church leadership decided to update their bylaws and their membership agreement. You know, churches all deal with membership differently. My own church, we have bylaws, we have a doctrinal statement, and to become a member of the church, you have to look at it, read it, understand it, and agree with it. And that's usually in some shape or form how most churches operate. But um, this church decided it was time to, well, to update its its um, statement of faith to include a statement on its beliefs on sexuality. And my goodness, wouldn't you believe it? The statement that their church made reflects 2,000 years of Christian teaching. Marriage is between one man and one woman. It's meant to be monogamous. It's meant to be lifelong. That's the pattern. That's the blueprint God established from the garden. Jesus reaffirmed it in Matthew 19. And it further adds that gender is not a choice, that gender is immutable, that it is it's directly tied to our biology, that we're fearfully and wonderfully made in our mother's womb by our creator. And those two statements relating to uh, the nature of marriage and of gender that reflect what the Bible actually says to anyone who's curious, that reflects what Christian teaching has said for 2,000 years, well, wouldn't you know it, it created a media firestorm. A media firestorm. And you know, Pastor Heath said it best. He said, when when simply stating what, what Christians have believed for 2,000 years is controversial, that's when you know Christians need to be more clear on what we believe. And he said something that I thought was really fascinating. He said, That it's loving to say that something is sinful. That it's loving to say something is sinful. And you know, I think that's so, he's so right, uh, of course, but that's anathema to our culture and to our world. Like that's just incomprehensible to say, what do you mean? You mean saying something is sinful can actually be loving? Well, yes, because flattering somebody and, and, and playing along with and acquiescing to and endorsing and supporting and aligning with something that God is clearly not approving of, well, that's not doing anybody any favors in the grand eternal scheme of things. And so I thought that was really striking when he when he said that. And he even hosted a forum, a Q&A forum, where anybody in the community could ask questions because he, he wanted to make it clear that everyone is welcome in their church, that the statement of faith was not trying to target anybody, but yes, Given the nature of the culture we live in and, and the fact that every Christian legal uh, group advises churches to be clear, not vague, on what they believe about those issues, because of the times we live in, they decided it was time to be clear on that. Clear on what was implicitly understood, but make it explicitly understood. And he had a lot of people that came up to the mic that were mean and nasty and that that he was loving too and, and, and was very... Um, understanding and graceful in his responses. And I was really struck by that because rarely do you see a mega church pastor or any pastor for that matter, be open, be direct, and at the same time show love and truth. The way that Jesus modeled, the way that the Bible tells us to speak the truth and to speak it in love. Again, in 2023, Christians tend to either be really big about and bold about sharing memes about biblical truth with one-liners that that really knock 
on people that disagree with us, uh, that really emphasize even biblical sticking points that we would maybe agree on, but it doesn't come across in a very loving way. And I will acknowledge that, especially on social media over the last three years between COVID and our disagreements on COVID and the election of 2020 and Trump versus Biden and and racism and all these other issues that we grapple with and that we have grappled with as a society, I will acknowledge I've definitely seen a lot of uh, animus and even hatred from professing Christians and not a lot of love. So this is certainly an area that the church and that every Christian needs to understand. We are called to love. We are called to show Christ's love and Christ's love knows no bounds. But then on the flip side, I see a lot of people and especially increasingly so within uh, the Christian world, a lot of people that are big on emphasizing love and grace, but leave out and do so to the detriment of biblical truth. And I believe we are called to do both. Jesus said the truth is what will set us free. We cannot emphasize his love without emphasizing his truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says that in the last days, people will not put up with sound doctrine, but will instead gravitate to teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. So the Bible tells us that as we march further and further in the last days of history, we should not be surprised as biblical truth is met with uh, opposition, hostility, and even persecution. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before us. And Jeremiah, who's one of my heroes, said it best. If I try to hide your word in my heart, it's like a fire. But then he also said when he speaks his word, his word brings him offense and reproach. God's word will offend people. Speaking God's word and even doing so in love is going to cost you friendships. It's going to cost you relationships. It's going to cost you likes on Facebook. It's going to cost you, uh, you know, tweets on Twitter. It could cost you, uh, you know, a job. It could cost you all kinds of things. And I think that the the cost we're going to have to pay for being willing to speak the truth and even to do so in love is going to get greater and greater and greater as our culture and our society increasingly becomes hostile to Judeo-Christian values and beliefs. But even so, we have to rise up at this moment in which we are facing. And in some ways, it's an exciting moment. It's a moment where, again, it's it's not as easy to, to say you're a Christian. Here in America and in the West, we increasingly stick out when we're actually true to what the Bible says. We have an opportunity to have compassion, but not to lose our convictions. We should stand up and speak out and speak up, but we must do so motivated by and in the tone and spirit of true Christ-centered love. And it's only when we do those things that we're going to be able to grow fully to become all that we can in Christ. God has a purpose and a potential for each one of our lives, and he desires us to maximize our spiritual potential. But we have to recognize that if we really want to grow into him who is the head that is Christ, 
if we really want to mature, if we really want to experience all that God has for us, we have to submit and recognize that he is the one who knows what is best. He decides what is good for us, not my feelings, not my friend who told me something, not whatever some cultural figure or icon had to say, but because of what Jesus says, because of what the Holy Spirit's leading, because of what his word says. He knows what's best. And we have to choose to surrender and submit to God's love and truth that is spoken by him into our lives. Because he knows what's best and he decides what's best for us. So I challenge each of you as we go out in a culture and in a world that again increasingly does not want to have to hear what God's word tells us in a culture that hates those who speak the truth. All of us have an opportunity of a lifetime to walk in truth and love with those who are around us. It is possible to do both. I leave you with this this quote. I leave you with this quote from Shane Pruitt who says, Too many people want a God that loves and accepts them but doesn't command and change them. He doesn't work like that. That's a powerful quote, and it's one that's heavy on my heart for this episode. So I encourage you at the close of this this podcast, as I do each and every podcast, which has now been going strong for three years, from 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 through 14, may you stand firm in your faith and let everything that you do be done in love. God bless.